Hey guys, this is Anand Chimpy from Anantech.com. We are back for the Anantech podcast. This is episode 19, um, and it's going to be a good one. Uh, joining us today, we have Vivek Gowry. He's uh, from our mobile team. Hey. Uh, and back again, we have uh, Brian Klug, <laughs> our senior smartphone editor. Hey, everybody. <laughs> uh, so, Brian, what you been up to? Well, I mean, it's it's been a while, oddly <laughs> enough. You Anything know? interesting I- that you've been working on? That uh, we, well, we finally talk about. <laughs> finally finished the one, and all that good, all that good stuff. Although you you also have a one, yes. Um, so so obviously that's that's what we want to talk about uh, uh, to begin with here. And you know it's interesting um, for the past basically since I've seen HTC's one, uh, people will come up to me and you know they'll they'll ask me, hey, you know what what should I get next? Um, mm-hmm. Or or they'll say. Uh, look, I can't wait for that Galaxy S4 to drop. And I'll ask them if they've seen the one. And every single person I've brought it up to, uh, and these are folks from outside the tech industry, they either respond by saying, uh, no, what is that? Or isn't that last year's phone? And Really? Yeah, I, I didn't even last think about phone. it that way. Huh. Yeah, because like I, literally I was talking to a guy yesterday, and uh, you know, I asked him what his user's model was, and he was like, "All I do is cameras, like indoors and and like low light." And I'm like, "Well, you should look at the one." And he said, "Well, isn't that last year's technology?" And I had to explain to him that no, it's not the One X; it's just the one. Um, but I am curious oh, really? to see how big of an issue that is, just across the board. You mean their naming? Yeah, I don't know. I think the name is a little is still a little bit strange, you know, because. I thought this would be the two, <laughs> but uh, apparently it's the one. You know, I think that says how strongly HTC feels about this product. Yes. You know, like this is the device. This is, you know, I mean, and they're not a company that makes feature phones. And I've said this, I said this in so many words, like in, in the review, but they're not a company that makes feature phones. So this is really important, you know, to define what the smartphone is at the very high end. And then that'll sort of like trickle down to the rest of the product lineup. Yes. And they've been a little bit coy about the fact that, you know, this is, this isn't the only one, you know, but it is the one. And at the same time, you know, it's, it's unique and it's the highest end device. So they, you know, they need that because they don't make feature phones. I've, you know, like nobody ever comes up to me when I'm carrying things. I don't know. Maybe I don't go to the right places or like everybody's kind of like used to it, but nobody ever comes up to me. (laughs) You know, it's and and they're like, "What is that?" I always tell this story, and this is unrelated and tangential. But I I was at a uh, pizza place, Brooklyn Pizza, and I had like the Motorola Droid X. You remember that thing? That was yeah, like yeah. years ago. For whatever reason, I think the NDA on that phone, we had it like a month, way like way way before it came out. And I was eating pizza, and like I had it out on the table, you know, like just as you're gonna do. And this dude came up and he was like, "Yo, is that an iPhone?" Because like the <laughs> iPhone had just come out, like the four or yeah. something. And I was like, I just sighed, like, you know. So that's my experience with people. People don't recognize anything, you know, and everything, and they don't recognize iPhones either, obviously, because it's clearly not an iPhone. But that's that's when people are always like, "Oh, do people come up to you?" I'm like, "No, they just don't recognize anything." What's you know? interesting is... Even though uh, the one sticks out like a sore well, thumb. I've, interestingly <laughs> enough, I've had a lot of people ask me about this. Uh, I have the Oppo Find 5, and I've yeah. actually had a lot of people come and ask me about, what, like, what is this, right? Just random huh. people I don't know in line at Safeway. Now, that's an interesting device. Yeah, that you is. Know? Um, 
I actually quite like it. It's. I really want to read your review of that. To be honest. Yeah, I was actually. Like, I I'm actually. I've actually been market. holding off on finishing that review until your one review came out. Um, like I, I'm not even. <laughs> Why? But, well, Why? because it's important to put it in the context of, of stuff that's new, like coming out now, right? Sure. Um, sure. And I figured that if I posted it and then you posted the one review a day later, um, nobody would read oh, my right. review. Well, truth, I mean, truth be told, there's nothing, like, contrived about the timing here. It's just a matter of, you know, like, it, it takes a long time to put these things together, and it's always that, like, 90-10 principle. And, oh, yeah. you know, like, I don't know. We've been, I've been playing with the one for a long time, and, you know, like, my thoughts are still the same as when I first held it, and that's that this is such a unique device because it's, like, the, the culmination of the, you know, like, their dream. I put that quote in there. We never quote anybody. But I was like, that quote is just so ridiculous. It needs to be in there about this is the like realization of a long held dream to make an all metal phone. And then, you know, the rest of the story kind of falls into place around it. You know, like even without that, even without the camera, you know, even without the front facing speakers, I think that alone is just like this huge story, you know, because nobody else has done that. Even even Apple, it's not all metal. You know, it's not fully integrated that way. Right. So so to me, that's. That's just like such a huge part of this. And, you know, ever since the iPhone 4 thing, I've been kind of stuck on that. And maybe it's just a personal interest, but, uh, you know, like I believe it does, it drives everything else. You know, like the whole design kind of is a result of what the engineering can do. And anyways, from that perspective, it's just like exciting, even if you take the camera part out. And, and, and when you add the camera part in, at least for me, it's just like that. that's such an ambitious risk and it's such... You know, it's clearly the right way to go, even if it's not a marketable feature directly, you know, like immediately marketable. Uh, it's it's the right way to go. And I think, you know, at least for me, this is like a device that kind of speaks to all the things that I care about, you know, and in, in a really like unique way. And I just can't get over that. You know, like even if it wasn't good, I would still be a huge fan, but it is good. And that's that's the thing. You know, I don't know. I'm kind of rambling. No, on no, no. About I it, mean, but... it's it's completely true. Um, when I when I looked at it, it was like they built a phone that I've been asking for, right? Right. Uh, well, and I think you and I both felt like the the One S was well, yeah, right. Kind of like this amazing the device X, that nobody liked the 1S from was 2012, fantastic, except it was really overshadowed by the One X, and I felt yeah. like that was kind of a tragedy because the One S was, you know, it was a nicer phone, um, like yeah. It, Felt nicer in the hand. I mean, it. Other than the display, there wasn't anything that See, I saw. But I actually liked the display. The display on the One S, like objectively, was the best calibrated I've ever seen a Samsung AMOLED panel, which is hilarious because there it's a Samsung panel, you know. And and like, why can't Samsung get it under control? And of course, the same. There's this thing at the same time where it's like Samsung intentionally makes their displays blue. Uh, or at least when I see them and they're new, they're blue because then when the blue subpixel starts wearing, you know, in theory, uh, like the, the like full width half max of the age of this device, you know, its aging process, it's going to be closer to, you know, like 6,500 or closer to like visibly white because I think it's so blue. It's like just visibly blue, you know, and so so like I understand that, you know, like that's the rationale for it. But out of the box. The 1S was just the best calibrated I've ever seen. So, you know, like, I don't, I don't, and now it's kind of coming into fashion again to have, like, a smaller phone, 
you know, like a lot of the other editors kind of feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Like we want, we want a flagship that isn't five inches. We want a flagship that's closer to maybe 4.3, four inches, you know, like under four and a half. I mean, I think but bigger you can than do four. a 4.7 inch flagship that fits in hand really well if you just really, really minimize the bezel, right? Yeah. I mean, the same way yeah. that the that the DNA, right, with the five inch display is not significantly larger than any of the the 4.7 inch phones, right? Yeah, and the funny the funny thing about the DNA is that it's like smaller than the 920. Yeah, no, I that's actually <laughs> like how is that possible? Well, you so put them next Oppo, to each other, right? The Oppo is yeah. also it's the same uh, sharp five inch yeah. 1080p panel, and it's smaller than than the Nokia. I mean, the Nokia is right. just, it's huge, right? I'm in Seattle. Anand's been silent. I want to. I want to hear what like what. Yeah, no, no, no just, I got. Like, I got a bunch of things to add what? here. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I got a bunch of things to add here. So, so, um, you know, my my daily carry was an iPhone five, um, and then you know Brian tells me about the one, and I I didn't you know I, I wasn't where Brian was when he got to like see it and learn about it, and he was excited, and I thought, oh, cool, Brian's excited about something, and it didn't really like sink in just how cool this thing was until he showed it to me uh at i I guess at mwc right like that was that was the first time that i'd seen it and Mm -hmm. then you know i i got one a little bit later and i i started carrying it around with me and the two things i noticed one yes i i would prefer something that's a little smaller like 4.3 or whatever but even having an iphone 5 is like the the daily in my pocket thing this is just another another device that I'd have to get used to, but it, it stopped being an issue. Like the size wasn't a yeah. problem for me. Um, the, the only right. issue I, I did have with size is there were some situations where like I'd be carrying a bag and I'd need to one hand the phone and I, I would like reduce accuracy because of its size. Um, so so th- there was that, but, but overall it was just, Hey, I just got used to it. It was totally fine. So I ended up carrying both that, uh, you know, the one on the iPhone five for, for a very long time. Uh, and what was really weird to me was that whenever I needed to take a picture of something, I would just pull the one out. And then yeah. we got to this point, and, and it's insane. I was like, okay, I'm just carrying a, I'm just carrying a camera now. And, and then you know, it started more of my daily use tasks started shifting yeah. over there. And and really, the only thing I was doing on the five anymore was just whenever I needed something quickly because the the one I, I have the Amio one, right? So it's it's not LTE and and. Uh, that that was really yeah. the only thing that was missing, um, and I don't Which know. Which is totally I was, understandable, you know. Yeah, I, I was I, I was blown away by it, right? Like I was legitimately impressed by this thing, um, and and I don't necessarily know the last time I could really say that about another uh, Android device. Like, yeah, I, I kind of feel I, the same way. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I've ever been. I always thought some were good. I was like, hey, I appreciate what they've done here, hardware-wise, software-wise, performance-wise, what have you. But it's always been like, yeah, I'm okay with that. But but I still I, uh, I I've made this argument about appliance versus computing device. You know, my life is complex enough. All I want is a, a an appliance in my pocket, and that's why I carry an iPhone. But this is the first time where I'm like, look, all of everything that's stacked in in the HTC One column. That's enough for me to be like, look, you know, this is this is the platform I need to be on, um, and and yeah. I don't feel like I've ever felt that way about any other Android device. I think this is the yeah. I mean, they have all the boxes in the right. They have all the check boxes. Like the hardware is there, you know, the camera is there, the speakers are there, the display is there. 
Um, you know, like I can use Android. That's the platform that you know I really I really like. Like I spend a lot of time on it. Um, I think there are things that iOS does better. I still want my like hacked version of iMessage. You know. Yes. But but I've been over that, and you know the rest of it is just kind of yeah, just fitting it in. You know, and again, there's just like so many phones that come across, like sort of like our little focus. And it's very rare that, it, you know, like one comes across and I'm like, wow, I really like this just because everything about it is unique. Yeah. Everything about it doesn't follow what I kind of expected. And, you know, like it's, per, it's perceptively better, you know, yes. and it's, it's not like, it's not like everybody is just going to go the same way every time, but there's this prevailing trend that happens almost every cycle. Oh yeah. I mean, and, it's no, and there's it, just so much stuff that it isn't. There, it's that's... no different to me than what happens in the PC industry, right? And and I want to talk about this when we get to T-Mobile later on, because it's it's uh, you know I, I had dinner with um, someone from within the industry uh, uh, just a couple weeks ago, and he was the first person outside of our little circle that came to me and said, "Look, you know what's going to happen in the mobile space is take the PC industry, and that's the end game. It's going to look the exact same by the end of all of this." And and he was the first person from within the industry, but outside of you know, you know, Brian, you, me, and the rest of the folks that we work with here that I've ever heard say that. And I, I really believe it's true. You know, everyone's given the same SOC, the same group of sensors to choose from. Exactly. And, and they build a platform, and you know, they throw on their own software. But it's fundamentally it's the same platform everywhere. Right, and their optimizations yeah. around chassis, around again the software you provide there, uh, but this HTC, like the camera alone, is what sells it for me. And the fact that the rest of the device doesn't suck is is all I need. And it and it's it's also great that the rest of the device is actually just more than doesn't suck. Like it's actually really yes. good everywhere else. Right, um, right. No, I totally agree. I mean, the like. There's a there's a lot of things that fit together. You know, like even the hardware story is there, but then they also have the experience of like Zoe's in the highlights reel, which initially I kind of was like, okay, that's cool, but you know, I don't really care too much. But then I started, I started using them, and then uh, it's it becomes very compelling very fast. And yes. then you want to record all this stuff so you can play it back. Absolutely, you know? like I, I, I'm now an active shooter with the phone, right? I'm taking pictures of stuff that I wouldn't normally because I'm like, oh, this is gonna make my highlights reel for today look awesome, and. Right. It's, <laughs> exactly. It's, it's so interesting because it, it, and you know, that's me being me. All I have to do is show anyone, right? Literally everyone who's not in the tech space that I've shown this to, they look at it. And it doesn't matter if they're an iPhone user or an Android user or whatever. They're like, when do I buy the phone? Like, how much does it cost? You know, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to sell my kid, whatever. I just need to buy this phone now. <laughs> and, and that's usually what, uh, what pushes them over. That and, uh -huh. and when I show them just uh, low light quality of, of the camera. Right. And you know, like this year, it's going to get really, really bad. I mean, I've been, I, I think I've talked about this earlier on the podcast or like, I don't know if I've driven it home enough and I'm just like r rambling on and on about it. But the, the, I mean, this year, everybody's going to 1.1 micron pixels and that's just across the board. And, you know, like the, the idea there is both to get either a smaller sensor with the same number of pixels, like at eight megapixels or keep the sensor the same size for the high end stuff. And, you know, then you can deliver more megapixels. So we have an improvement. I'm doing air quotes. An improvement over the previous generation. You know, like, go into the store, buy this. It's got more. Yeah. So, you know, like, that's that's just the reality. And that's been on the roadmap forever now. 
you know, there's nothing new or like suddenly this is news. Like this is, this has been known, a known quantity for years and we're just there. So we're kind of like standing at that point and it looks like HTC kind of stood there, looked at maybe what was going to happen, you know, thought about it and then said, no, we're just going to go the other way, you know, which is the right way to go because like, what do you get? You know, you get more megapixels. Uh, you can't necessarily image a frequency that high, you know, um, and the results from some of the cameras that I've seen with the 1.1 micron pixels just really back that up. Like you just see blurring. Uh, and, and, you know, like if you look at them one to one, for example, and at the same time, you're sacrificing all of, all of your low light sensitivity, all your sensitivity, you know, and it's gotten better each time, you know, like we've marched down the scale before, you know, we went from like 1.65 to 1.4 and now, you know, like 1.1. But if we take all those gains and then march back up, then it gets even better. And that's sort of where the one sits. And as a result, you know, it's very impressive and a lot of the use cases that matter to me, you know, like taking pictures of food, like I'm indoors somewhere, um, you know, macros of things, you know, like where it's not very well lit. I think there's just a lot of, like it's the ultimate foodie phone. That's, I mean, even some, there was an HTC blog about this too, after everybody kind of like understood that, you know, use case. And I, I don't know. And, and again, we live in a world where everybody posts their thing on Instagram, you know, like for better or worse. And it's like 600 pixels wide or Twitter, which is like XGA or, or Facebook, which is like the same. So do you really, you know, like you can get an advantage from down, downscaling, uh, but you don't necessarily need like 13 megapixels to downscale to 600. You know, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. So, so in that regard, I think the trade-off is well worth it. No, I agree. And, and you know, I, I think it's important to report both sides here, right? The other side being that, uh, the one part of the one camera experience that I'm not impressed with is is what happens when you are outdoors, well lit scenario, and and you just take a picture of like a beautiful landscape or, or you know just something where it's really bright outside. the The resulting image isn't it doesn't blow me away, but I find that that's yeah. 10% of my camera workload. The 90% is I'm indoors somewhere, suboptimal lighting, um, or I'm doing a macro shot, or it's really freaking dark and in that 90% of the, the time scenario, it's it's awesome. Like it's measurably better than everything that I've used. Yeah, same, same. I mean, yeah, there, there is that trade-off when you're outdoors and there's no getting around it. And you know, there's, that's, you see other people doing sort of the same thing. They're trying to optimize for that really well-lit case and then the, you know, like dark case. And you know, like there are different ways of doing that, you know, on the on the uh, 920, you know, they have, iOS, uh, OIS, you know, same as, same as the one. And basically the goal is, you know, like, can we just take a really long exposure when it's dark and then outdoors, you know, like we'll just continue using the eight megapixel thing. And then the iPhone it's kind of the same thing. We have all that resolution, you know, like when it's dark, we'll just do the two by two bin and then like blow the image back up. And you see that, you know, like, well, they can sort of get close some of the time. They really just can't, they can't take an exposure that's as fast and get the same result. So, you know, like there's always that trade-off and I would just rather, you know, make, make the trade-off than err on the side of uh, having, having better sensitivity just out of the box. Yes. And, you know, again, if, if you're really doing the math out, there's that question of can we even get that resolution through? And in a lot of cases, the answer is no. So, you know, like it's kind of wasted anyways. And, 
you know, the OIS is there. I think it needs a little bit more tuning. It's pretty good. They, I feel like they could push it further. That's, that's sort of new for everybody, so I wouldn't doubt it if there was like a big firmware update that changed everything. Um, and of course, we were using the final software. There were some, some blogs and speculation um, about an update. I can just tell you that right now we were using the, the final update and you know, like whatever conclusions other people have drawn uh, aren't necessarily what conclusions I would have drawn, but uh, that's just the, the way that things shook out, you know. But I don't know. I'm very I'm impressed with the majority of it. Like again, this is a hardware that this is like the chassis specs, as far as I'm concerned, are exactly what I would have gone for, you know. And like that, I, I like think Snapdragon so 600. Key. Yeah. Right, like this is the this is one of the only like so so just as you know understanding and Vivek you can you can totally I'm, I'm guessing back me up on this. Um, usually, what happens in the cadence of a phone being announced or specs being detailed is its uh, specs come out and then there's just like tons of rage coming out of Brian. Right, yeah. like it's <laughs> there is and it, it happens and and it's it's rarely directed publicly. Right, like we just get to experience it. Just you know being able to work with Brian like you know behind closed doors, I guess. <laughs> and it's like specs come out and then tons of just like sighing, head shaking and just unhappiness, just general unhappiness from Brian. And then you get the one and it's like, this is the first time I've ever heard him say, you know, this is exactly this is what they should have done. And this is what I would have done. Um, so, so that right. That and it's of, not it's not necessarily the easiest thing in the world, but it's definitely the right thing. You know, yes. So maybe they'll go down in flames, and it will have been the right thing. But I, you know, like, and I don't think that's going to happen. But of course, that's what they're worried about. You know. Yeah. But <laughs> well, so let's let's sum this thing up for people who haven't read the review, and I really encourage everyone to read it. Um, I, uh, I, it's it's very well done, um, and and it goes into a, a ton of detail here, um, and and I'll kind of kind of work work back towards industrial design because I want to get Vivek your thoughts on on this. Mm-hmm. So we look at the platform. Um, HTC One has a, a awesome camera system. Um, great in low light scenarios. Not necessarily the best um, when you're looking in, you know, well lit outdoor scenes. Um, but but in terms of uh, personally, what I what but Brian and I spe- suspect what many people use it for. It, very very compelling. Um, internally, you have Snapdragon 600 hardware. Um, pretty much the best hardware you can get right now. Um, in the Android space, it's it's a very good platform. We did a, a lot of investigation on it, and, and it looks good. Um, battery life is decent. Obviously, we only measured um, the, the the 3G version effectively, at, at least in the US. Uh, so so that's all we can comment on. But it's it's decent. Um, as we've said in the past, you know, there's a there's a quad core Crate 300 based SoC in here. Um, so depending on how you use it, it's either going to have totally fine battery life, or it can get really really bad. Uh, there's just a right. ton of dynamic range in, in these current platforms. Uh, this thing can be fast, and, and if, you, if you use the performance and, and keep using it, it's, it's going to kill that battery quicker. Um, the display is good. It's got 802.11ac. Brian, I think you measured, what, 275, oh, yeah. 275 that's right. it's down? Yeah, that's just on like, TCP, you can go like 300 on UDP. But for whatever reason, I originally started using TCP. So that's what we report. But yeah, like th- just shy of 300, just peaking over 300 on UDP, which is crazy. So that's awesome. And what's also cool is the NAND is fast enough to back it up. Uh, I think we measured, uh, you saw what, like up to 50 megs per second sequential reads, I think. Yeah, which is yeah. pretty, that's pretty high, isn't it, for these yeah, things? Yeah, totally. That's uh, that's actually one of the, when I first got the one, that's like the first thing I noticed 
that the NAND was appreciably faster than a lot of the stuff that I'd used prior. Um, it's still not as quick as I want it to be, right? Well, I mean, I want like true SSD speeds in phones, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's good. Um, wireless performance is good. The display, 1080p, 4.7 inches. That's right, um, right. Uh, the display looks great. Uh, let's see, what have I missed? Anything inside that we're missing here? So, the, I mean, the stereo microphone, the stereo speakers and the microphone story is kind of compelling as well. And I actually, I went back to another phone after, you know, like using the stereo on the one for so long, you know, because I like, I like to watch YouTube videos and, you know, like their stereo. Uh, and when, when I went back to another particular phone, like just held it and tried to watch YouTube, I, I literally was like almost disgusted. I was like, I can't believe I've been, I've had to deal with this, you know, because it's coming out of the bottom. Like you have to like cup your hand. Like, and it, it was, I was surprised that I felt that way about it. You know, like I actually missed having stereo. Yes. So that's a big thing. And you know, like again, the, the microphones are these dual membrane things and they don't saturate and they have more frequency response, more dynamic range. You know, like it's, and that's that's not necessarily HTC exclusive. You know, like the 920 and the 808 both have those, but I had never really fully investigated just how how much different they are, and it's there. You know, like if you shoot a video, you, I mean, it's crazy. So those are two yeah, things. I'm sorry. Those two things are no, no, they they are um, uh, appreciable. They're things that I notice. Um, I, I notice you you mentioned this in the review that hey, you didn't make a lot of uh, calls with the thing, but but in your experience, the call quality was good. Um, I, I would back that up. I would say the only complaint I have there is the device is a little big to, to be on like multi-hour conference calls with. Um, huh. But but call quality was fine. So so that takes us up. You know, everything on the inside of the phone, even on the perimeters, everything looks good. I'm, I'm pleased with all of that. Sense 5, I actually don't even hate. Like it, it's, it's the first right. skinned Android experience where I'm like, look, this is actually, I can live with this. This is totally fine. Yeah, and it's not this bubbly mess, and you know, like even the previous versions of Sense, like kind of had that like bubbly 3D effect. Yes, and that's all gone. Like, and if you go back, like I pulled out, I pulled out the uh, what is it, HTC Inspire 4G, oh, which God. is like a Sense 3 yeah, phone. Yeah, Sense 3. I mean, like, can you believe we we live with that? It was like so rounded and bubbly. <laughs> no, Sense 3.5 like, was even, really bad, right? Like, <laughs> and then like yeah, well, and then Sense 4, you know, like got better. Sense 4 Plus, like even flatter. Sense 5 is like just everything is totally different. Yeah. You know, like the icons are all actually classy. You know, the iconography is good. Uh, the typeface choice is good. It almost looks more hollow than like actual stock Android. Yep. You know, because like there are all these pieces of Android that like haven't gotten, you know, like um, Matias Duarte's like, you know, touch. And as a result, they just look weird. Well, obviously, when you're making a skin, the whole point is to touch all those, par those parts. So, I mean, most of those places have the pivot bar. And to me, that's more of a, you know, like a post-hollow, post-reimagined Android UI look than the stock thing, which is actually kind of crazy in some places. And yeah, it's, I couldn't care it, less it, about it not having 4.2 at this point. Yeah, I'm... I'm this, like I said, this is the first Android skin that I'm okay with. Um, I, I and honestly, because it, you know, you do get the uh, the highlights reel and, and all of those features that kind of go, go along with it. Like I'm actually okay with this being the platform as a result. Um, so, so that's the one as a bundle, and then on top of that, you have the physical design. Um, you have the all metal phone, uh, which I know that resonates really well with Brian and and Vivek both. 
I appreciate it. I don't necessarily require it, but I'm I'm curious, Vivek. What are your thoughts? Uh, just you know, have you held one of these things yet? I have not. Um, okay. Which I kind of regret because I really really want to. Um, yeah. But at least from where I've been seeing, uh, it seems like this is the first time we've really seen this level of hardware design level polish in an Android phone. Um, HTC has been really pushing design. Like, phone design has gone really different places in HTC's world in the last, like, two, two and a half years. Um, actually, starting with the, with the sensation, when they changed how the battery cover worked. Right, like, do you remember that right. when it was like the? Yeah, that was unibody. Like the phone snapped into yeah. the ca- into the case. And then so then with the One X, they just made it such that um, it wasn't removable, but it was the same type of design. And then with the 8X, the Windows Phone 8X, they switched up how the how the PCB and battery were laid out. Right, so right, it went display battery PCB instead of display PCB battery and so I guess what we're seeing with the with the one is like they've taken the best parts from the 1x the 1s and the 8x and you know it's just like this is what I've been asking for in a phone for a long time (laughs) and the butterfly it's kind of like a big it's like a butterfly shaped metal phone you know, which to me is like, well, why do we have the butterfly now? You know, which is a little bit weird, but that's how, you know, like I feel like the Inspire and the Desire, the Desire HD, mm-hmm. those were all metal. And to me, that was even like, that was the highest it was before the 1S, mm-hmm. you know, because it was metal everywhere except for where it, it couldn't be. And, you know, like with the one the 1S, it was also like metal everywhere except for really where it couldn't be. And now it can be metal everywhere. So they went... They went to the extreme. Yeah. Well, with the 1S, it was just that little window slash SIM removal thing at the top. Right? Yeah, and, well, and at the bottom, too. They had top and bottom for their you know, like Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right at the, at the very bottom underneath, the like, the Beats logo. Yeah. Right. And you could, like, you could, like, just jank that off if you wanted to, you know, like, just rip it off. And that was, like, a door, too. But... I always found it really hard know. to rip off the top part of the, the 1S. Um, but that's a different story. Um... So let me ask you this. Is there room in, in your eyes? Um, does a flagship phone have to be something other than, than plastic? I guess... I want to hear a Vivek's answer. <laughs> I mean, no, right? Like, Nokia showed us that, no, it doesn't, right? It, like, Nokia okay. has done plastic phones that are really, really well built. Um, I mean, I think the, the 920 is kind of gargantuan, with, and so was the 900, but... If you look at like the N9 or the 800, yes. right? I mean, like I'm sitting here with an N9 sitting right next to me, um, and you know you can do a really, really high quality plastic design. That, like there's not an absolute need that you need an all metal phone. The problem is that there aren't that many, you know, really good feeling plastic Android phones, right? Like I mean, I'm the Galaxy S3, right? Like just. Or anything. Yeah, that's the elephant in the yeah, room. Yeah, right. Like right? the Galaxy yeah. S three, it it doesn't feel very good, right? I think the thing the thing is that 
uh, you can like just like Vivek's saying, you can do an all polymer phone. You know, if we're gonna avoid the word plastic or polycarbonate. <laughs> But like, just like anything, you can you can do it wrong and you can do it right. Like you can do a metal phone wrong, you know. Like again, yeah. if they had used the aluminum that the MacBook uses, that's the softest aluminum in the world, you know. Like it's gonna dent and squeeze. Like I could just bend it with my hand. Mm-hmm. But if you do things right, you know, like look at your materials choices, you know, be very calculated about what you're putting where, um, not going just for like absolute minimum cost, you know, or like like you're just optimizing for something different then you can make a phone that feels quality and like i don't care about the materials choice as much i mean obviously there's an intrinsic value with just having like something that is metal versus polymer but that's that's kind of like just the starting point you know well you can do it wrong and you can do it right and i i totally agree nokia has done all the polymer phones pretty much correctly although they've also changed things up like you know, the 900 felt one way that, you know, like Lumia 800 felt one way. The 920 feels another way. So like everybody's I mean, kind of changing with things. The, with the 920, they changed up the the industrial design from, I guess, like, because they had with the N8, N9, 900, 800, they all had like a similar industrial design uh, just from a styling perspective. I know that the, the N8 was, was an aluminum phone, um, but... They were just shaped. No, you're right. You're right. Um, And then the 920 is flat. Yeah, it's flat on the front, and then it's like curved on the back, um, and then it's flat on the top. And it's like huge. Yeah, no, it's massive. Like it's a four and a half inch display, and it's bigger than some five inch phones, Um, and it's really, really heavy. Well, you know, like I feel for Nokia because they're in this weird position now where they don't, they can't force their, you know, like people don't understand the way that this works when you're selling to a mobile operator, especially in the United States, and they want an exclusive or they're not going to carry it, they want something unique or they're not going to carry it, they want, you know, sell us something that fits our list of what we want to hit with consumers and, you know, like what our goal, our business goals are for this quarter. And uh, you just can't, you, you can't deliver the same phone on every operator unless you're in a position like Apple, like Samsung, or now like HTC. Yeah. And as a result, they have all these different variants of the 920 and the, you know, like the 810, A20, all this stuff. And like some of them have really great industrial designs. Some of them just look like a brick. Yeah. So like they're all over the well, spectrum and, and they, they can do it right and they can do it wrong too. And I think Nokia um, has been catering quite a bit to carrier whims just because they were burned really badly by not caring about what the carriers thought, right? Like. No, exactly. The reason yeah, they're they have in this to. position is because they spent a decade just saying, "I'm not going to listen to any of the of the American carriers," and that's why, they, like, I, that's why they have almost no real presence in the U.S. or they didn't right. until uh, the Lumias. But well, and the thing is that if you're going into that meeting, <laughs> you need to make a sale. Like, if you're the guy that's in charge of making a sale, you know, yeah. like, you're, you're going to make a sale. Like, I need to feed my kids. <laughs> You know, right. like you're just gonna do like what you gotta do, you know. And I, people don't get that. They're just like, oh, you know, OEM needs to go in there and fight. You know, like, well, I'm sorry, they're the customer. You know, like you're not the customer unless you're Apple or you know, like maybe now Samsung or now HTC. Like, yeah. that's only now just starting to change with these other other guys where it's built for the consumer. You know, because you're actually the the customer. And the vast majority of cases that aren't AAA flagships. You are not the customer. The operator is the customer. So when you go into that meeting, and they're like, I don't understand why this is still something that people don't get, but this is how it works. 
when you go in there, you're going to make a sale. And if they're if they're saying, you know, like, you know, we don't want to take that phone unless, you know, like do something for us. You yeah, know, I mean, make, make us happy with an if, X or Y, you know, like make it look look different. If you lose, then you're going to do AT&T it. AT&T or Verizon, right? You're basically like that's a really, really big chunk of the American market, right? Like if you're going to bend to their yeah, whim. I mean, yeah. you have to with those two companies specifically, you really have to. Um, so let, let me, um, it, this is going a little bit out of order, but uh, this brings up obviously the, <laughs> the T-Mobile announcement. Yeah. Right. So, right. so T-Mobile, um, and I don't necessarily believe that this is like an altruistic move. This is a kind of like the only move, right? Cause it wasn't that long ago when they were like, yeah, we'll just, you know, join with AT&T and everything will be okay. Um, but, but they announced this whole, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be the uncarrier thing where, uh, you know, you can. The, the end of the official two-year contract, right? So you can either bring your phone, uh, you know, buy a phone outright and, and you pay a, a slightly cheaper rate per month mm-hmm. um, or, or you they, they put you on this payment plan. Um, and it's essentially like a layaway plan. So right. it's not like you're getting anything for free, but it's... Yeah, you. I mean, you, you know, have to pay it there. eventually. Yeah. I think the, the, the fundamental difference here is that you don't, at the end of, you know, once you've paid off your phone, they take away that $20 a month charge or whatever, right? Right. And I think the way I, I saw this um, calculated out or those, the way I saw it referred to was almost like an interest-free credit card, almost, that you just have to pay $20 a month. Yeah, exactly. It's, a, it's an interest-free loan. So to, to kind of deal with the fact that we've evolved in such a way where everyone expects to only pay $199 for a phone, mm-hmm. right? So this allows them to keep having that, but, but you know, also start moving away. Well, so uh, T-Mobile has had the option to not pay your device subsidy for years, like almost five yes. years now, right? Sure. Like they had the, I think it was like the value plus more or something. Like they had some weird branding stuff go on. Um, but I don't think like my family has been on T-Mobile since 2005, and I don't think we've actually paid device subsidies since somewhere in the 2009 region. Like, because I've always had phones, so I've just been buying phones for everybody in my family. <laughs> yeah. And But so what's interesting to me is that, that both AT&T and, and Verizon have come forward and saying that, um, yeah, if, if this is what people want, we'll do this too. And that actually surprised me because I don't think they... Like, this is the beginning of the end for the way the industry works, right? And it's it's a long, like, I I don't know how many years it's going to take to get to the way things are going to be, but this is going to be how it is, right? Mm -hmm. The first step is you you start making phones, you you start bringing price into the equation, right? So today, like I said, everything's $199, right? Maybe some things are $99, maybe some things are $249, but roughly everything's $199. And as a result, there's there's no competition based on cost in any of this stuff. Right. If Samsung's able to cost optimize their device by using uh, plastic versus metal, that's just money that Samsung gets. Right. Like the end user doesn't ever see yeah. that cost savings. So one, if you break this model where everything's one ninety nine, now all the device vendors, including Apple, including Samsung, now they have to start competing on cost. That doesn't happen immediately, but it happens. And once that starts happening, the world starts looking very different because. Someone paying two hundred bucks every two to three years for a phone is one thing, but someone paying five to seven hundred bucks every two to three years is something very different. And now, if you include that in in the list of checkboxes, right, you're evaluating camera, battery life, display. Oh, and this thing is actually significantly cheaper. Mm-hmm. That changes the way everything gets played, right? And and that's where I start seeing a lot of you know we get this march towards the, the PC, PC market, yeah. 
right? That's that's where things start to change. Um, because these guys, especially at the very top, they haven't had to compete on cost, right? They've right. been able to take a two or three hundred dollar phone, sell it for five to seven hundred dollars, and just have just have a great time, right? Like that's that's it. That's the end of it. Um, that gets to change, which is super exciting to me. The other thing is. As people start going down this kind of uncarrier path, th- then my hope is that they also, especially now that we have T-Mobile, right, as a, kind of an emerging star, as a, a, a balance to AT&T in the United States at least, uh, then we can maybe hopefully see some competitive pricing there as well. You know, the, the one thing I've noticed, like I've got... Um, well, I think they've always, let's be clear, they've always been cheaper. The thing is that they've had a reputation for having lesser coverage and you know like their subs aren't as valuable yes. which is sort of like they're catering to a, a lower end like if you're at the high end you want to go to AT&T and <clears throat> so they've always been cheaper uh and then having having different I you know like I'm a fan of the new pricing model and the I'm a fan of the fact that everybody moved to this like you're just paying for a data bucket like choose your data bucket then you get unlimited talk and then web you know like uh, I mean unlimited talk and text and then your data is just like really the only thing that you have to decide because the other two, like let's face it, they're they, that ship sailed. Yeah. So, I mean, that's interesting. The thing, the thing with the selling a device and then having this lay layaway thing, like that's kind of still the same thing as we're gonna we're just like taking the subsidy out of the dollar amount and making it a little bit less um, difficult for you to swallow if you've brought your own device. So that kind of like fits in the what where they want to go you know, competitively with other people bringing their own handsets. And it just sort of like fits in there. I don't know if it fundamentally changes the equation for them, you know, because they still have to overcome these problems and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, But they've always had the cost part of this down, you know, like, and you can go back and forth on whether it's Sprint or not. But I mean, T-Mobile and Sprint, I I think T-Mobile has always been cheaper. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I just wanted to jump in there. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, so I've actually, like, T-Mobile has had something very similar to this for a long time, right? Like, this is, I feel like, two of their different um, plan schemes over the last three years combined. Um, Because they definitely did a month-to-month value plan. um, Right. And then they also did a subsidy list two-year contract with the option to... um, Buy a device with like 150 bucks or 200 bucks up front, and then 20 bucks a month for uh, like on top of your contract per device, right? Right. So I feel like this is just a combination of those two. Um, unless I unless I completely misread what the uncarrier thing was. Well, I mean, like the uncarrier thing is like they're just not going to operate the same same way as everybody else, and yes. I like T-Mobile has always been operating like the only real like gsm carrier in the united states you know yeah. like at&t it's like they they just happen to be gsm and lt you know like they just happen to be a three gpp camp like they don't operate like one they don't act like one they don't deploy updates like one there's nothing like they don't act like the rest of the world okay t-mobile is <laughs> the only one that acts kind of like, like the, the rest, rest of the, the world, world and it's because it's deutsche telecom right so from that perspective, they've always been it. It's sort of like now they just want to talk about it. And, you know, like that's, I'm a huge fan of that. And, you know, like to that point, I'm a huge fan of the fact they've always been first 
to all these network updates. And people look at me funny when I say that, and they're like, oh, what well, isn't T-Mobile slower? No. They've always had, you know, like, they deployed 64QAM. Yeah, they deployed 64QAM first, okay? Then they deployed sec- a second carrier, carrier aggregation, DCHSPA+, okay, 42 megabits. And then they deployed um, AMR wideband, and now they're deploying LTE. So, you know, like, if the LTE story, okay, that's one thing, but, like, let's be clear, like, AT&T doesn't have LTE everywhere. Yeah. You know, like, that's just the reality of it. And everywhere it's else... It's just single-carrier HSPA+. Yeah, and on, T- on AT&T, it's even worse than that. There's no 64 qualm. It's all 16 qualm, so it's 14.4 everywhere. And, you know, interestingly enough, I haven't really written about this, but uh, we saw a reactionary move by AT&T this week, uh, like, sort of subtly, after T-Mobile announced the AMR wideband thing, like their noise about HD voice with the iPhone 5, then AT&T lit up uh, full-rate AMR narrowband. So, like, historically, AT&T hasn't even been running full-rate AMR narrowband. So, like, not, not even the maximum that you can do on the narrowband voice. They were running, like, half-rate, okay? So that's how, that's how bad things were. Like, everybody else, everywhere else in the world is pretty much full-rate, okay? So then T-Mobile makes their announcement. And then, boom, all, like overnight, we see full-rate AMR narrowband. Like something that I've been complaining about for forever, okay? So just, just to give you a perspective for like the state of how, you know, like AT&T doesn't want to invest in any upgrades to the, you know, like WCDMA side of the network at all. You know, like unless there's a, pers- you know, like a big ROI. And as a result, we just have this like behavior that doesn't, you know, like doesn't track well with the rest of the world. Like everybody else has their you know, like HD voice, AMR wideband, you know, and all these other features like dual carrier um, on their iPhone 5s, on these other devices, like hardware has supported it for a year now and we don't. So, you know, like to me, that's the big thing with T-Mobile and they're starting to brand that, you know, like make it a big thing, even though it's always been there. Like now we're going to make it a big thing. So I don't know. That's me. No, no, I, I think that's very accurate. Like, I, I think the the reason T-Mobile gets a bad rap is if the issue, as you mentioned earlier, is the nature of their coverage, right? When you have, if you're in a, in a place with good T-Mobile, it's usually great. If it, the problem is that you're not always in a place with good T-Mobile, right? And and that's that's where I think a lot of the the negativity comes around. And a lot of smaller regions just don't have very good T-Mobile, right? Like you can go out to the countryside and just end up on edge way too frequently, yeah. right? Like, it, yeah. I, I mean, I live in maybe like 10 miles from, from T-Mobile headquarters in Bellevue. And so for me, for the most part, T-Mobile is fantastic and has been for a long time. But, you know, there, it just, it happens way too often that I just go somewhere and it's gone, right? I'll be on, I'll be on, I've, I've dropped to actual straight up GSM, Right. You know, GPRS, yeah, just yeah. straight up. G- well, I mean, you do that on you do it on AT and T too. Like out here in the desert, um, you can just drive on the I eight and boom, you like you don't get anything. Like you're just you're just screwed. There's nothing. And uh, oddly enough, they just lie about it on their coverage map. Like I've seen just straight up lies. Uh, <laughs> you know, like it's boolean. So like I don't know where they're drawing the noise for, but like I have all the phones in the world and none of them can attach. <laughs> you know, so like I don't know what that means. But I mean, like. Everybody sucks in these like really really rural environments, and if you want want it to not suck, then just go with Verizon, right? But if you're in an urban locale, then you know like unless it's a market that T-Mobile just doesn't care at all about, it's pretty good. It's probably going to be fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like Sprint doesn't care at all about anywhere in Arizona. 
you know, like they just, this market is just like eroding, um, like regressing. It's getting so bad now that like normal people come up to me and say, wow, Sprint really sucks. <laughs> and I say, yeah, like this is news to you. Like I, I, like I can't use it. And, you know, so I think there are, the normal customers are starting to become very savvy. And we like, whereas, you know, like a year ago or two years ago, nobody knew what the heck like 42 megabit DCHSPA plus was, or like HD voice, or, you know, like what is an LTE, you know, uh, now they're starting to realize these things, you know, like, because people start to use their smartphones, then they start to care about why isn't it working as good, you know, as I would have expected. Mm -hmm. And then they start Googling and then, you know, like, it's very easy to just, you know, get a, you know, like a, a dangerous understanding, you know, and then start to go figure out what's going on. So I think that's the real market shift. In addition to the, well, obviously the, the competing on cost. Well, okay. Thing. So the competing on cost thing, um, I didn't get a chance to say this before, but that already exists in like Asia, right? For example, you just you yes. get a SIM card and then you just buy a device, right? So which is well, why the rest that, of the well, world. And so a Galaxy S three in in like India costs you know thirty eight thirty nine thousand rupees when it came out, which is approximately what a entry level motorbike costs, right? Yeah. And so what you see in markets like that, or like Korea, where the Galaxy S two is still selling for like one point one million Korean won or a thousand dollars. Um, is lower-end devices are actually much more prevalent, right? Yes. Here, everybody carries an iPhone or an S3 or, you know, a 1X or something high-end. You don't see, you know, like the Galaxy Pop or, you know, Galaxy... Whatever, there's a million... Galaxy Ace, I think. There's like a million Galaxy yeah. variants in There's in too Asia. many low-end variants to keep track of. Yeah, right? And, but they're all like, you know, three and a half, four-inch you know, single core or maybe low end dual core devices, you know, with five megapixel cameras and Android something, right? Well, so here's the really cool thing about that, right? As the pressure, as um, cost becomes a variable that people care about, um, and, and as that uh, becomes a, a thing that everyone has to compete on, then the pressure also shifts to the component vendors, right? So the silicon suppliers can no longer uh, you know, again, take the U.S. for example. If you have folks that are used to getting effectively the latest and greatest silicon every year for one ninety nine for their phone, and then you tell them, okay, that's going to stop, and you're just going to get really, really bad silicon now, like that won't stand. And as a result, the the silicon vendors, right now, they have to start targeting the sweet spot versus kind of targeting this very, very high end and just shipping really, really crappy stuff into China and stuff like that as mm -hmm. as their mainstream or low end platforms everything kind of has to get better yeah right right and as as more of as a as a greater percentage of the the bill of materials goes away from the final device maker and into the folks that are inside the device those folks have to now compete uh to kind of justify the cost as well right so so right now you have the situation where you know your soc is always going to cost somewhere between seven and 25 dollars right but your final device is going to cost 700 bucks regardless and all of the icing goes into Apple's pockets or Samsung or HTC or whoever. You lop that top part off, and now everyone has to do better to sell that final device at three hundred dollars or three forty nine or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. No, and and you see that abroad, like people are selling Huawei phones, and I, and T Mobile now has Huawei as like their their unbranded ODM. You know, like the ODM for T Mobile is Huawei, and. These other Chinese brands that just sort of entirely compete on cost, 
are starting to make their way in like through T-Mobile because that's, you know, like now a thing. And so I think that's that's really that's really the truth because otherwise yeah, it's like Samsung can dictate they're going to be at the top, you know, pricing point just indefinitely as long as it's selling, you know, appreciable volume. Yeah. And then nobody really competes like it's just oh, it's 199, okay. Yeah, exactly. There's no I mean no one, you, you know, you're so happy about the, the component choices and the design decisions that are in the one. But at the end of the day, the one is still just going to be another, you know, whatever, $200 phone on AT&T. And that's it, right? Like, so it's, it, it's, uh, it hides, it masks an entire type of competition that just currently doesn't exist in, in the U.S. phone market. Uh, so I'm very excited to see that. I'm also very excited to see T-Mobile actually gain attention here. You know, every time I get someone that comes to me and says, uh, you know, I, I hate the current mobile operator model, I tell them to grab a Nexus 4 and go to T-Mobile. And that... Yeah, fight the power. That is, that's the absolute best thing you can do to, you know, kind of create change here. Uh, and it's not a bad combination of devices, right? Like, that's not a... I'm not telling you to like you know starve yourself for six months. This is a that's a totally valid uh, you know platform and network to be on. Right. No, I totally agree. And you know, like the Nexus is already in a great position to do that. And I know a bunch of people who have gone exactly that route. You know, and just bought the team the Nexus Four outright, and then you know, like use the other pricing plan. Yeah, I mean, yeah. once the once the the eight gig Nexus Four came back in in stock, or even the sixteen gig, it. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. You're not paying that much more than, than AT&T's, you know, sub, uh, subscription price for a similarly top-end uh, hardware. Yeah, no, it's And you can awesome get device. it really cheap, too. You know, like, you can get really cheap T-Mobile plans if you know where to look, like that $30 thing that I love. Yeah, or the $50 uh, for unlimited everything if you, actually, right. you, if, if you actually talk on the phone. Right. Which I seem to be one of no, the, I totally the few agree. people left on Earth who does that but dude i'm always on the phone like it's there's no i'm never not on the phone okay well i mean because brian just doesn't talk on the phone (laughs) yeah i you know like i'm starting to call more but i just still just would rather deal with the only time brian has ever called me it was during ces and i think i was i was in a meeting and brian called me (laughs) and i answered the phone specifically because brian never calls anybody so i thought it was important He called me and he oh, was like, dude, oh, do I dude, sound, do I sound HD? HD? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm hanging That's up when on they, had, they rolled out AMR wideband, yeah. Yeah, it was on the iPhone 5. And I was just like, I'm hanging up on you. <laughs> like this. <laughs> but yeah. Well, the only time I've seen Brian make a call was the call at the iPhone 5 launch event where he got scolded. So I. <laughs> yeah, I get, do you understand now why I don't call? Like, people were getting angry at me and, like, looking at me weird, like stop what you're doing put that down <laughs> sir you're making us nervous you know like so what am i supposed to do just you know or like phone. everybody always calls like the five minutes that i'm playing a game like it's inevitable it doesn't matter <laughs> i'm serious no you think i'm joking but i'm not i'm not kidding like it's the five seconds that i'm like doing it and then i'm like oh man like seriously <laughs> no see i get called well one there's like just this constant slew of meetings or, or two when there's like some serious problem. Like I have a negative association with the phone because usually I'm getting called because there's just like a major issue that needs to be dealt with. Um, so it's not it's not normally a very <laughs> yeah. pleasant experience. <laughs> some, there's Somebody's some form getting of, angry. Yeah, there's some form of yelling that's about to happen. Um, okay, so there's there's obviously there's another major device that was announced um, kind of 
post MWC, and that is the Galaxy S4. Uh, we we still don't have review hardware, so I don't know how much you guys want to talk about it here, but uh, I, there it is. I, like <laughs> I guess my feelings on it, just having not seen or played with one, I know that you have, um, but my feelings were. I think I I tweeted about two days before the the launch event i was like it's it's just going to be the galaxy s3s right like it's you coined that term by the I way know. like other people stole i know that. i i you know you know i wasn't gonna go that far because like i'm not gonna judge anything before it comes out but i mean you can i i think you can pretty much you know you can plot a pretty okay trajectory to where and that they're gonna still they're sell gonna like sell 30 million or whatever well so that, that was the most interesting to me you know uh, sitting there listening to this presentation um not not the the big one but you know the listening to this presentation hearing about all the features and literally point by point i'm looking at these things and i'm thinking you know the 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 hover gestures the air gestures the uh automatic pausing of the video when you move your eyes around like easy to create create tv ads around them dude these are things that would resonate really well with like my dad or with you know like i i can i can see this resonating with folks and me hearing about it at a at a gathering of you know not not a not a not a tech conference right just a normal gathering of folks like my parents and and None of i can see it resonating with them and and i can see it i don't know it sells the device like they have crafted an excellent way of selling these things um you really and, think and they, so like the eye scrolling thing that didn't seem like Dude, something that i would ever use no yeah, and i that's agree just with like you the, but the keep turned on thing with the, the eye the thing to me is these are all features that i i know that i would never use but i feel like most of the target market still wouldn't use but it's still cool, right? Like Samsung, they've, like they've the managed to craft... The, the tap to send files thing. I have a lot of friends with exactly. Galaxy S3s, and I don't think I've seen any one of them use them once, ever. No, but how many times have you heard of them talk about it, right? Like, to, to me, that that's what I see. Samsung creates this kind of... Uh, they, they've got this basket full of these little features, and they're nothing that I've ever asked for. They're all kind of interesting, all kind of cool, and and they kind of put them out there and they're discussion points like they are things that generate discussion and and give this kind of uh they they cast this impression that samsung is you know trying a bunch of things and doing a bunch of very futuristic sounding things and putting them into their devices and i think that really resonates with folks yeah (laughs) well this is this is what i'm saying you need to do something with the hardware like show people why it's important Yes. And they get that, and they have this. They have this stuff, and it's like, okay, maybe that's. It's just something to do with it, you know. Like it's something to do with NFC, you know. Like there's something to do with, you know, the front-facing camera and this SOC, you know. So, it's there, and you know, like it's your prerogative to use it, like at your, you know, whether whether you are or not, like I don't know. And I was talking with another editor about like the pen on the note, and I, and. I kind of have the same impression. It's like people kind of pull it out once, they like look at it, and then it kind of goes back, and that's where well, it is. Well, in the all U.S. The at least, um, the Note One came out around the same time that like Draw Something was a really huge deal. No, I totally, I totally agree and, with that. But yeah, now that it like now that we're past that, like it's no longer a thing. That's what happens. Yeah. Like the pen comes out, you're like okay, and then like the pen goes back in, and that's it. Well, so the see, I don't know. Conceptually, I think that does. I, I view that as another. Uh, I, I can see a segment of the market, 
Um, and Samsung's broad enough where they can go and target 15 different niches of the market, right? And I see a segment of the market that conceptually wants a pen and will actually appreciate using it. Like, I, 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 I don't know. I, I see it. I don't see it as the bulk of the market. I don't particularly find myself in that space. But I think Samsung has recognized that this part of the market exists and they are a large enough company where they can build a device just to target that market, and they do. Um, I, I don't know. It, it's like the pen experience on like the, the Note 10.1, for example, it's not as good as the pen experience on Surface Pro, but it's at a different price point. And I see a bunch of people, again, not the majority of the market, but I see it resonating with folks. I think Samsung, more than anything, what they've done is they've uh, I, I made the car analogy, right, where it's you once you turn it into an emotional decision, people will buy a car like the dumbest car in the world, but because they like the cup holder or they like the way the rims look or something, they'll justify the rest of the purchase based on that one little feature. And Samsung, in my eyes, has effectively done that. They've found 15 of those features that will turn this into an emotional decision for a lot of people, and then that's it. Then it's it's done, and they're sold on it. I think for me, the Galaxy S4 holds the most interest from just from an SOC standpoint. Um, yes, I mean, if, that's, I'm, if, I'm 100% if with I there. owned a Galaxy S4, yeah, but nobody's going to get the Exynos. Well, one. yeah, nobody like, here. At least nobody in the U.S. Like it's going to be such an uphill battle. Like it effectively almost doesn't exist, to be honest. That's how I put it. Really? Like okay, the, like ninety, the majority of cases are going to have the Snapdragon 600. Well, one, yeah, but you know, like, and then the Korean market and their home markets and the places that they care about get. Sure, Exynos. they'll get Exynos five, but like to say that it's everywhere and like it's, it's oh just no, not, I know. I mean just I care about well, the so, international ones. Uh, so let me add the caveat that I want the six hundred one, right? I'm academically interested in the Exynos five Octa. I, right. But if you're getting a Snapdragon one, wouldn't you just rather have a one? Oh, yeah, so so uh, you know, uh, my my take on this is. Um, you know, don't judge it until it's out. Right. Uh, right. Based on what I've seen, the one prioritizes the things I care about the most. Literally, it's the camera on the one that sells it for me. Um, and, and that's why that's the camp I would be in. I'm looking at it purely as a, which one am I interested in playing with? You know, if I had to live with one or the other, I'd probably want to live with the Snapdragon 600-based um, Galaxy S4. But... Uh, I really want to, like, I just want to see A15 in a phone, right? Like, <laughs> I want to see it in a phone. I think it's it's insane that they've put such a huge chip in a phone, right? Did it did what, what is die size <laughs> on Exynos 5 Octa? Did anyone publish that yet? I don't think mm. I don't think so. Does anybody it's gotta have be one? Huge, like, none right? of the ones that are out are the Exynos 5 Octa one. Like, that phone doesn't exist. Okay, it does not <laughs> exist yet. Period. End of story. What exists right now is the Snapdragon 600 one. So, like, to say, you know, like, everybody, it's like, oh, well, it's got Exynos 5 Octa. Okay, like, show me the phone. <laughs> you know, like, where is it? It's not here yet. You know, I don't know. That's how I feel about it. And then, again, it's just, like, same, like, SGS3 where, you know, like, it's an uphill battle to find the 4412 version. You know, although to the cre- to their credit, you know, the Note 2 has 4412. Well, it wasn't so that hard to find that a, an S3 with 4412. It wasn't hard at all. But, but forty four twelve, I'm but not I mean, as interested. Like in, didn't exist, right? Like again, the only thing this is if if Tegra four phones were out, then that'd be what I'd be interested in instead, right? Like this is just uh, uh, I'm just so curious to see what what drove them to integrate this device, 
right? Like, cause I, and, and you actually touched on a, a great point. Maybe the whole point behind Exynos 5 Octa, you know, isn't really Galaxy S4, but it's all the other devices that it'll go into. Cause it, I can't see this being a tiny chip, right? No, it's it's going to be a big huge. chip and, and it doesn't necessarily make sense to put in a phone, especially if you're going to have to ship a bunch of Snapdragon 600s anyways. Um, I think it's interesting that they got the 1.9 gigahertz Snapdragon 600. Like they have the faster bin. Yes. You know, like have you have you seen that? You can go and pull the PVS thing from the phones and see if it's slow, normal, fast, faster, and then what voltage that corresponds to and what the clocks are in the kernel source. So you can look at that, and I think it's interesting that they got that because they, of course, they just need to one up everybody else. Yeah, yeah. you know, well, like I if mean, you're they... Samsung, you're in this position where you can just dictate, like, no, 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 we want the best bins. <laughs> we want, like, we need to be better. You know, what are you going to give us that makes us come back next year? That's true. You I know? mean, well, so the other thing is they also do have to make up the fact that there is, there will likely be a a, a substantial gap in performance between the Exynos 5 Octa and the Snapdragon oh, sure. 600 parts. Um, sure. So I don't know. Sure. It's, it's for the like 0.5 seconds. <laughs> It's it's super interesting. You know, the, the one thing that we continue to hear, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because I know, Brian, you've talked about this on the podcast actually before, is is the folks that are very interested in the Galaxy S4 because of removable battery and micro SD card slot. Right. Um, I, right. I feel and, the same way. they won't buy a one because they don't have a removable battery and don't have a micro SD card slot. Correct. Um, I, I, I'm in the same boat you are. Like, I've, I've never actually replaced a battery in a phone. Like, I, I have, but it, years ago, right? I, I just, I'd given up on that um, for quite a while now. Um, and, and then on the micro SD card side, I don't know, the, the bulk of, you know, my really mass storage happens in the cloud. Um, so all I really need space for is most recent shots, the music, music that I care about, and, you know, my apps. Uh, so, so there. Well, you I know, think... I feel like you of all people should should be harping on the fact that SD is a horrible storage medium from a performance perspective. Yeah, and so... that it's a horrible medium for storing like archiving things, and like everything about it is lowest common denominator. Everything about it is you don't want to have stuff here. It's sort of like like you just always tell me like you don't want to know how bad this is because then you'll never want to use it. Like oh, just no, live exactly. in live in ignorance. <laughs> like literally, I told my friends just like live live in bliss. Like you don't want to know how terrible this is because then you will never trust anything to it so when people are like going on and on and on about having a removable storage like it's the greatest thing in the world i'm like have you ever tried you know like have you ever looked at the performance of that versus even the emmc like have you ever looked at the performance of that when you put your application on that partition you know and then like what does it look like and it's it's atrocious so i don't know why we need to like even I don't know what to say. Google's canonical decision was this is not the way to go. That ship sailed with the Nexus S. Like, you know, if you wanted it back then, you should have screamed louder then because really it's it's not the majority that have SD cards now. Yeah. And the rest of the world gets along just fine without it. And most consumers don't even replace it. And from an OEM's perspective, it's just more things that are going to break. And that's why keyboards went away, you know, because it's just more things that are going to break. And, like, you're going to, like, break the little tray, you know, like, what is going to break off inside? Like, 90% of consumers don't put the thing in. And then I've even heard stories about, like, the the operators started, in, you know, putting in their policy to have uh, the SD card installed at the store because most customers wouldn't even realize that they need to install it. Like, it came in the box, and then they wouldn't even put it in there. 
So like, what does that tell me? Like ninety per, like the vast majority, the unwashed masses, the hoi polloi, whatever you want to call them, <laughs> people that are actually buying these things and not writing on like our Android about them every single day. Those are the people that really drive the market. Like as much as you know, the vast majority of the volume, you can have the trickle down thing, which is what I believe you know, like the Galaxy S three success story was. And you can go on and on about like whether like now that that's going to be sacrificed with locked bootloaders in the United States and all that, you know, stuff that I've been going on and on about, not necessarily publicly, but, you know, like just to Mm -hmm. you. Uh, But I mean, you can connect the dots pretty easily, Uh, all that stuff. And versus like, we're going to really just talk about an SD card. Like it just blows my mind. Like I don't know why we're still talking about this. So, so the reason I don't go down and everybody's the... gonna get angry about it. Like everybody's gonna like I know I'm gonna get a ton of email. Like we love an SD card for all these reasons. Don't even bother sending them. I've heard them all, and like it's it's stupid. I'm sorry. Like I don't want to just call you out that your reasons are are not you know like they're not intelligent. Maybe you have a reason that makes sense. But I've heard them all, and they've been weighed and judged, and like it happened. Like you got what you got. Yeah, you know, I don't know so, what. <laughs> I feel so really strongly reason, about this. No, I understand, and and I do too. Like it, it so Brian mentions this that uh, the more photographers I got to know, the more freaked out I would be at the end of them shooting a wedding or them shooting something <laughs> yeah. important. And and the reason, like, and I would always tell this every time I met a photographer, I'm like, you know. You know how bad the NAND is in that compact flash card, or like that. that SD you just card? shot like, like a priceless wedding on. Like, I know, and it, like I can't do it. I can't be in those situations. I'm like, where's your backup? You know, you should be shooting to multiple cards because it's it's, you know, it, the 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 cast system when it comes to NAND is you know the SSDs you get are at the top, and then everything else is below, right? And there are various grades. Like I mean, people complain about reliability in in the SSD space. It is like way worse when you get into compact flash and SD cards and micro SD and all of that, right? That stuff is driven so much by cost. And it's really, I mean, it's reject NAND. It's NAND that wasn't going to, you know, they're, they're a step above like USB sticks, but it's, it's not the kind of, it's not the grade of NAND that you get in the compute grade stuff that you get in, you know, the SSD you pay two or 300 bucks for. Uh, so, so that is always like nerve wracking to me. Um, the, the reason I don't go down that path and, and have that discussion publicly is because I don't. I, like I said, you, you mentioned live-in ignorance. I, that, I don't want to go and start reviewing all those things. Like, I know they're doing that. I want bad you to. I want to know. This is why I, I stop know. commenting on, on friends' laptops. Unless I know them really well, I don't comment on their laptops. Right? Like, it's, it's yeah. exactly the same I don't thing. open my mouth up on Facebook when everybody's like, what phone should I get? I'm like, we don't, like, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Like, you either... Like, if you're going to openly solicit my advice and I tell you something and you don't like it, then I just, I'm done. You know? You know what I'm <laughs> yeah. saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, you, like, this is my guidance on SD cards and removable batteries. The vast majority of people do not use them. It drives the device cost up. You end up paying for other people's RMAs. Um, and enthusiasts that care about this stuff generally can replace the battery on their own. You know, with the exception of the d- devices like the one which are exceptionally hard to service. Yeah. I'll give it that, oh, okay? Yeah. It's essentially disposable. So, you know, like you have that. I, like there's a gamut of battery replaceability. The iPhones are essentially user replaceable. If if you know how to get a pentalobe screwdriver, you probably know how to remove a battery. You know, like just like that sort of stuff. Like if you know what, what a battery is, you can probably remove it. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, like there's that end of the spectrum and then there's the spectrum where like everything is glued together and taped together, which is kind of like the one. So I understand that part of the debate and I think it's, it's good to have it, but does any, anybody that's really like making these claims about like, Oh, we like, I need repairability. Are they keeping phones for two, three years? You know, like, are they wearing the, their batteries? Like, I want to see, I want to see the proof. Well, you I know, don't... The, the use case that I have, I kill batteries because they sit in the phones in the closet and then they discharge zero because of internal resistance. And then they don't, they don't ever, like, you get cell damage. Yeah. I me, thought people cared about removable batteries. I thought the use case for them was, you know, we'll just carry, like, a pocket full of batteries and we'll just yes, keep that's popping. That's what they say. Right. Not, not yeah. like, oh, yeah, you know, three, not like a, like a MacBook Pro, like, you know, three years from now, my battery will be completely shot. Um, but, but it that won't be completely shot in three years, right? Like that's the, the other aspect to this. It's not going to be as good, but it won't be completely shot. In three yeah. Years. But the phone's not going to be relevant in three years. Yeah. yeah and you should so, put the phone in the trash and then be like, <laughs> wow, thank, thank goodness that it died because now I have like, you know, an amazing camera. I have like 5g, you know, and like a 30 inch display, like hologram thing. You know, like, wow, I'm so glad that went in the garbage, you know, because I've been paying the like $60 a month for it. You know, like, so I've paid like three grand to use this like piece of junk. But no, like, I just don't understand. Okay, but, and the storage mm-hmm. thing. Okay. Like USB on the go I, that like that's there. Everybody's always asking about USB on the go and which is, which is interesting. Um, like my first use case with USB on the go is plugging in ethernet, you know, like seeing Google do mm-hmm. it at Google IO because the Nexus seven doesn't have five gigahertz Wi-Fi because we needed to save the dollar or whatever. <laughs> because I don't know why. I don't know. It just drives me oh, nuts. You, like guys, you guys talk, about, rant about, you guys talk about this in, in phones, but car manufacturers, okay? You buy a car for 35000 or or 40000 and, you yeah. know, at the... That's a nice car. Well, yeah, but, you know, they, they pinpoint to, like, the last penny, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. No, they, they look at cost to the, to the last... No, no, I know what you're saying. You know, penny on a, on a car that, you know... Even if it's like twenty five, thirty, forty thousand dollars, well, like make the back seats horrible or something. Don't like remove my <laughs> Wi-Fi. You know, like this is like just give me like a crappier, you know, I don't know, like ribbon connector somewhere. Don't don't remove my five gigahertz Wi-Fi. Like, can I just point out how absurd, how how crazy things are that we have like almost no notebooks. Doesn't the Seuss have one notebook with eight hundred two dot eleven AC? Yeah, and I have and there's nothing have else. Phones with yeah. AC. Like I have a Mac, oh, Retina no, MacBook um, Pro, no you know, AC, speaking of Wi-Fi, no Ethernet the, port. The Edge doesn't have five gigahertz Wi-Fi. And are you kidding? Oh, me? I am not joking. That's I put insane. one line in it. I forgot to make the. I mean, there were seven thousand other words that I had to write, so I forgot to write a paragraph, being like, <laughs> no. "Why the hell does this what, does this not have five gigahertz Wi-Fi?" Right? Like, <laughs> they shipped to me. Everything in the box that they shipped to me was like nineteen hundred dollars. Okay, I find it absolutely absurd that. Such a mobility-centric device doesn't have 5 gigahertz Wi-Fi. Dude, it's unusable. Like, when I go to New York, I, I end up having to travel to New York a lot these days. And I can't... If you don't have 5 gigahertz Wi-Fi, I can't do anything. Like, I just can't. Yeah. Nothing works. <laughs> like it's, right. I can be outside. Nothing will work. I need... I either need physical <laughs> cables being plugged into things, or I need 5 gigahertz Wi-Fi. I was in my... Uh, I, I was in a hotel... Um, at Times Square, right in my room. Oh God! And I couldn't like, I'm like, there's no, there's like a billion access points here. I don't understand. You click what's on going the on. list and you're like DDoSed by the fact that the list goes on and on and on. Yeah, like you and can't this find is your like hotel in, in my it. room. Yeah. I was like, I don't understand. I, I can't anything without five gigahertz Wi-Fi. So I, I feel your pain. 
That's um, why I love bringing the spectrum analyzer. I just love it. <laughs> you know, and my favorite are at events where I hear people complaining to the hosts about like, why doesn't your Wi-Fi work? And then I just know that their notebook is only 2.4 gigahertz. Yep. You know, like no, this is still an unknown. You well, know, see, I I think it's great because it, it I don't know keeps people off like their routers. <laughs> I don't, I've actually been like I I don't like going to my parents' house and staying there because there is no five gigahertz Wi Fi, right? Like, dude, but you well, can why fix you that. Buy them I, a router. I mean, yeah, I can like, fix yeah. that. But the, you, I don't know. My dad doesn't like me messing with the computing. I I replaced our our family 2006 iMac with uh, a 20 like the new 2012 one, and my mom just she one day came up to me and said. You know the mouse isn't working. It goes too fast. No, oh. no. She said the mouse isn't working. I'm like, why not? She's like, it's it's like going upside down. She was actually using the the magic mouse upside down. Oh, that's a, but see again, that's a different situation. Like I can't, like my mom doesn't run the events we're at, right? I can't, I can't just be like, yeah. hey, look, this is how you fix this. You that's a solvable problem. You you can address this problem. But like, no, but like I don't want to mess with my parents' computing situation because then you know, it'll come back on me and, and it'll you're be my responsible fault. Responsible for fixing right? it. Yeah. My mom yeah. actually yelled at me, right? I replaced a like an almost 10-year-old computer with a brand new one. The $1500 computer and my mom is like, "Why did you make why did you mess it up?" Right? Like it, it worked perfectly before. Even if it was old, it worked just fine. And you've messed this up. Right? <laughs> That's so now true. I start I can, messing I with I the can... Wi-Fi and then like all hell breaks loose. Let's not go there. Yeah. I just think it's hilarious though. We have phones with AC and my everything else doesn't have yeah, AC. I mean like, there there are actually is, almost this is a microcosm no on the market with AC. Right. I can think of This is one. the microcosm of mobile, right? Like the the smartphone and tablet space is moving so incredibly fast and it's so hyper competitive that like we have stuff that is now better than PC hardware. Like we had better displays first. Do you still have now better we have displays. better Wi-Fi first? We have better cameras. I, you know, like everything is better yep. except for you know, like maybe total platform, you know, power. But I can, yeah, other than, you know, you can connect this up to a display yeah, and then it's, compute. It's completely true. I mean, and I'm still really, really unhappy about the display situation in in notebooks. But that's that's a different podcast. Very different podcast. Right. Okay, so the last what thing else, I want to talk about. What else was on the topic list? Yeah. The, the last thing I want to talk about here um, was the Facebook, Facebook announcement. Home. So, Oh, the HTC First slash Facebook Home. Facebook Home, yes. you know, the launcher, right? Like it's, I, I mean. No, it's, yeah, it's a launcher, but it's also got like hooked. Right, because it's it can, not just a launcher, can, I learned. It can take system notifications as well, right? Yeah, and that's why they have this weird whitelist, you know, where it's only. Um, SGS three, HTC one, one X, and then four, Note two, and then one X plus. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in the future, future SGS four, future HTC one, whatever that means. Like months, yeah, in like four weeks, essentially. So my my takeaway here from there there are two things that that I came away from this announcement with in in my mind. One that thankfully someone is focusing on the whole multitasking paradigm, right? Just the ability to quickly respond to messages while you're doing other things on your device, I think is an awesome feature. Um, and I, I really want to see other people do that. Like I, I, it's multitasking still sucks for me on all devices, um, on, on all mobile devices. And this is like, that's an exact usage model that I have, right? Messaging someone while I'm in the middle of doing other things and, I don't know what they're doing. I'm not saying that you know having someone's face on my screen at all times is the right thing, but the the quick chat in and out. Well, yeah, the, the chat has. I mean, 
what really bothered me about the UI was that uh, your face was always on it, right? Like your face was. Yeah, in but a ignore yeah, that part. Look at right? my face. Yeah, <laughs> it, that's just. I would get really weirded out. Um, but the the whole the concept of effectively having like a, a somewhat transparent window, right, where I can respond to a message and then quickly get back to what I was just well, doing. Like that, that's all awesome. that exists in CyanogenMod Mod Ten. I totally agree. Right? Like, if you use if if you're involved in Android ROMs at all, that's built into CM10 and like the older versions of Paranoid Android, right? So back when I back when I had my SGS3 completely ROMed because I would not touch TouchWiz, um, like it was there was just this quick reply thing. You just hit it and the the SMS box would pop up. Um, right in the middle of if you were in like the browser or something and you just type your message go and then you're back in browser right like it's it's just a small window that that shows up in the middle of your screen I I think I think all the Android OEMs recognize that the multitasking model is not fleshed out at all you know like multi-window multi like multitasking and it's beyond just like I have two processes or apps that are open per se Yes. And you see the multi-window thing on Samsung. You see, like, enthusiast modders building it themselves. But I totally agree with you, Anon. That's, like, the one compelling feature to me is that I can finally have a, a conversation on top of what I'm browsing. Yes. You know, like, I hate like I hate switching back and losing all the modality, all the context. Dude, it's a pain in the ass. Especially if it's something I'm talking about. And it's hor- Yeah, it's horrible. Like, and that's all there is to say about it. It's like will... a glaring omission on, on Google's part. I will get up and go to like a computer just to have a conversation. Like if I'm talking about a web page or something that I have to look at while I'm talking about it, I will leave my mobile device and and stop being mobile in order to engage in like a lengthy conversation because it's just a pain otherwise. Um, So I'm happy about that. And okay, now the, the second part of it isn't something that I'm necessarily happy about, but this is the scary part of all of this, right? Like this is... This is Facebook's sneaky way of completely taking over all of the money that goes into the phone platform, right? So you look at the future, which is inevitable, that, that uh, all of these devices start competing on cost, and, and you, know, you go from like the, the multi-billion dollar quarters of profit down to something a little more, uh, eventually a little more you know, PC OEM-like. And, and then you look at what Facebook will do here, right? So, so obviously in the presentation, the one thing Brian and I are going back and forth about, you know, over IM is just, hey, where are the ads? Because that's exactly what happens well, next, right? He and, already you know, said that they were going to put ads on the, on the home yeah. screen. This was oh, before totally. photo stream. This is, yeah, totally. But so, so th- this is what then happens, right? Where now you have, you know, Facebook effectively owns that platform then. Right? It doesn't matter how much effort Samsung or HTC or anyone put into to designing the phone. Actually, it doesn't even matter how much Google or whoever your software provider is uh, providing into to kind of building the software platform of it. HTC gets the eyeballs. Uh, sorry, Facebook. Uh, um, Facebook gets the eyeballs. And, and that's if, if, if this thing's successful, that's where the bulk of the, the money in the, the phone business goes towards. Right? It goes towards... I advertisers going to Facebook to get those eyeballs. Okay, I maybe this is just me and I hope it's not, but I feel like if the lock screen or the home screen on my phone had advertising, I would throw my phone out a window. No, but see, it's it's more subtle than that, right? It's not you don't unlock your phone and there's an ad. You're just flipping through, you're just picture stalking people, right? And every now and then there's an ad that's there. And that ad can be based on your location. 
right? Like this is the holy grail. You know, they're saying, hey, these phones are going to be awesome to make money on. They're not today, but they're going to be awesome for advertising because they know everything about you. And and Facebook in, in one fell swoop just kind of comes in and says, yeah, look, hey, just put this on the front of your phone. Right, and because they know your friends you an awesome... and they know where you are and they know who you're talking to. Yeah, and it's it's just, it's such a such an intelligent approach by Facebook to say, look, we're not going to do any of the heavy lifting, right? We're not going to, and, and I love the line, the Zuckerberg line, where he's like, you know, we have billions of users. Like, I don't care about making a 10 million, a phone that says 10 million. Like, that's that's not important. We, yeah. we have a billion plus people that use our platform. And it's just a pure recognition of that. It's it's just saying that, look, we, we're, we're just going to slot in, let everyone else do the work, build the OSs, build the hardware, develop these platforms. And... And we're just going to lay on top of that. And we're going to give you some functionality. But really, we're just going to make a crap ton of money off of this. Right? <laughs> and it's, it's, a truck, it's amazing. like several semis full of cash. Well, it's least. amazing because in, in you look at the competition in the mobile space up to this point, right? Everyone has been, it, Google was worried about Apple controlling the space because then they would lose out on all the mobile ads, right? And look at how much work Google had to do to prevent that from being a reality. Right to kind of say, oh, we have to build Android to make sure that we still have these these mobile eyeballs so we can sell ads to them or, or or display ads to them. And then Facebook kind of strolls in, right, years after everyone's like done fighting this terrible war and you know everyone's like stitching up their wounds and it's just it's just really bad. Like people have lost limbs and and Facebook just kind of strolls in at the end and they're like, hey, just put this on top and we'll just <laughs> just kind of funnel the money towards us. And, and it's just it's amazing to me. It's so. Uh, it's so simple and it's so completely like it makes me feel bad inside right like that it's that 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 this is what this whole thing is about and and I don't know if they're going to be successful but it seems to me that this is the most intelligent thing that they could have done right they they yeah, do right. minimal effort and and poten- the potential return here is huge right well they don't have to reinvent the wheel either with a whole new operating system and all this other stuff yeah and you know which is the big like the big capital expenditure so that's why you feel bad because it's like, you know, Facebook just kind of like swooped in. And I mean, if now it's it's ours. If now. it's successful, <laughs> it's it's kind of frightening how much data Facebook will have on on well, people. Well, that's the thing about all of these guys, right? Like Google scares yeah, the everybody has. Oh yeah, but I've already they, come to terms with how Google knows everything about me. Like, that's yeah. something I've already come to terms with. That's right? why, like, whereas, I don't whereas, understand with Facebook. That's something that I haven't come to terms with, and I don't think offers enough functionality to merit. Uh, you know, knowing everything about me. <laughs> yeah, and, like, and that's the that's the only saving grace here for I think the enthusiast folks, right? Which is that um, you know maybe Facebook Home isn't enough to justify using it. But I look at the vast majority of the market, right? And, yeah. and no, if no. they really like Facebook, if that's ultimately what they're doing on their phone, then yeah, I can see a lot of people adopting. No, I mean, this. I have I and have I friends see... who are really big into Facebook and Instagram, and I could see something like Facebook Home being really perfect. In fact, you know, in I yeah. mean, and I I live on a college campus. I'm all of my friends are are college students, so you know, everybody everybody uses Facebook. Everybody uses Facebook a lot, right? Um, like having Facebook is like having a cell phone almost. Yeah. Um. Uh, so. See, I feel like it used to be that way for me, but now it's like I just don't even go there. <laughs> you know, no, and, like and, I, I was sitting at a table with a bunch of analysts, and somebody said something about Facebook, and then somebody else piped up and was like, there's so little value there anymore. And then everybody piped up about how 
there's just no value there. And I couldn't agree more. For me, there's no value. There's almost so I, none. It's literally zero. I, I think it, it really depends on the circle of friends. Like I have some friends that I can't communicate with. Like I can send them an SMS, but I'll get a faster response if I hop on Facebook, Facebook yeah. and, and send them a message. And it's insane to me because the, the Facebook Messenger is like the worst everything. Like it's the worst way of messaging someone. But I there's there's this like core group of friends that I have that that's the that's the best way to get in touch with them. That's the quickest way to get a response. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's it's an easy, very, very multi-platform uh, chat protocol. What's what's I just I just me? can't believe it. Like I I don't like <laughs> Facebook. For me, it's the fo- like the phone itself is mid-range hardware for kids who only live on Facebook. Yes. Uh, the broader story is more important, you know, with it running on these other handsets. Although honestly, I can't see like the experience is so jarring. It looked like yeah. Look, I mean, because you, you jump know? in and out of Facebook too. Right, like there's a Facebook yeah, and it's home like the world, rest and then of the platform there's the rest of totally the platform, different. which is just you know whatever your phone looked like before you put Facebook on it. But so then the question is, I mean, look at the extensibility though, right? It's now it's a uh, the value of Facebook apps, right? right? Like that 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 becomes a completely different story. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm I I think they're they're in a very very powerful very potentially dangerous position you know if i look at the rest of the industry i i, mean, I going back again to the, the the pc industry in the 90s everyone looked at it and said look the only companies that are making money here are, are intel and microsoft and here with facebook I, I see a potential situation where facebook is one of the only companies that makes money off of mobile devices um and what does that do for the market right because facebook and, and i'm not saying this is necessarily going to happen but i can with Facebook Home, I can I can plot a potential future where this is, and and what does it what does it mean for the future of mobility if uh, one of the only companies really making money in mobile ends up being Facebook versus uh, an OS provider or a device maker? Hmm. Right. I I don't I, I don't believe it's going to happen. I don't believe Google will allow it to happen. Right. I think you know every. Uh, it would be in Google's best interest to go in and make sure that there are compelling features outside of what Facebook can offer you. Um, otherwise, they would be you know, poor stewards of, of Android in general. And obviously, this thing is never going to end up on iOS. So as long as Apple's still relevant, like that's, that's going to be a thing. But it's a, it's a definite power play, man. It's, like a, it's a real grab for, for land in this expanding environment. And it's, uh, it's scary that they were even able to do this, like to pull it off. Right? So? Can you can you well can you imagine again go back to the PC industry? Can you imagine Microsoft allowing anyone to do this? Right? I in guess that, in so. The, no, I mean I mean I, I mean I guess I, I understand your point. Even though, I mean the real question is like, does it have the Play Store on it? And I guess it does. So that means Google impl- implicitly approves. They implicitly approve because it's not a it's not a problem yet, right? But, but again, it's a failure on both sides, right? It's a, one, it's a failure to make your device and your, your platform good enough to the point where, where no one else could come in and say, hey, we're going to offer you advantages, right? Like the, the multitasking thing, that shouldn't have been an advantage that Facebook should have, could have been able to offer, right? That should have been something that's baked into Android from the start. The second aspect of it is that it's... Um, because you don't have that, you have a situation where, yeah, you control an OS platform, but it's not perfect enough... Uh, and you don't have dominance enough in the industry where if someone comes in and offers this, you can't just shut it down, right? There's so many stories, like, you know, behind-the-scenes stories of someone trying to ship software on a PC and Microsoft saying, no, you're not going to do that. 
right? You can do that, but Windows is just going to cost you a whole lot more if you start shipping it with that. And I, I, I look at this and I, I see, you know, hey, it's great competitively. It's, it's great that a company can do this. Um, but, but if I'm running the Android ship, like if I'm captaining that, I'm, I'm kind of worried about this. Because uh, again, long term, if, if you allow this, it means that potentially someone else can come in and, and take all of the value or, or assume all of the value out of your platform um, from, from a money standpoint. Well, they let themselves be in that position. Yeah. Like, technically, it's totally feasible. Anybody can write... Like, essentially, this is just Facebook's skin. Yes. You know, like, it, it works essentially the same way as an, like uh, Nova, any other OEM right? skim. Like, Nova works yeah. exactly... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's it's technically possible, but they're always... Um, so, the 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 all the tech industry is full of uh, active discouragement from companies doing things, mm-hmm. right? Like there's there's always a yeah you can do this but we're just you know you're never going to be considered for a nexus device or you know whatever like there's there's always that kind of uh we can make life very difficult for you kind of thing right like that 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 always happens um the the fact that the the market or the these platforms aren't mature enough yet where google's really in a place where they can do that uh and and maybe some of this is still google's do no evil um creeping out there where, where they wouldn't want to uh, but I can't believe long term that this is something that they want to see happen to Android, right? Sure. Like the the whole point here is that you know Google gets the ad dollars, right? Like that's that's the whole point here. It's it's and they get the data farming, uh, the the data mining. It's not that Facebook gets that and Facebook gets the ad dollars, right? Although they do get some of that. I mean, if you're still signed into GMS, you're still gonna they're still gonna get data back. Yes, you know, that's true. but it's gonna be like you're always gonna see the Facebook stuff first. Yep. Unless you delve deeper. You know below it and from a google perspective like they look at how much work they have to do to put out android right i mean you would assume that they would i don't know i'm not really convinced that there's a lot of work that you know like necessarily it goes on in terms of the android project like a lot of it seems to be at this point kind of autonomous small updates you know i mean maybe we'll see a big thing you know like it's a it seems like it's a pretty small team to me, at least. No, no and, and I've always heard that it's a small team, but relatively speaking, compared the investment that uh, Google does in Android versus what Facebook, Facebook is did just for piggybacking Facebook on top, basically, right? Yeah. Right. And that's normally fine because everyone else who piggybacks on top of Android still ultimately gets more Android devices out there, which results in mobile searches, which results in additional uh, ad revenue for, for Google. But this kind of circumvents all of that, right? This basically says, yeah, you're going to use your phone, but. We want you to use it more for the Facebook well, stuff, and, right? And sure. Google doesn't. There's no cut that Google gets out of that. And and from sure. a handset standpoint, right? Like I don't think the HTC first is is really going to to figure in that big, right? Like the the big thing is you know anybody with an S3 or like a One X or you know in the future S41 or a Note 2 can just install it, right? So and the implicit you know because Google allows play on there. You, that doesn't figure in at all because, you know, it's it's an S3, right? What is going Google going to do? If you install Facebook Home, what, they're just going to, what, take play off? Right? Like, I mean, that's, that's, not <laughs> no. a, that's not a thing, right? So the one aspect of this that I do like is it does force Google and everyone who, you know, still wants to make money on this platform uh, through advertising to, to actually compete, right? Now, now the pressure is on to go- for, for Google to make sure that they, that there's never a feature deficit. Right, because if there is, Facebook's just going to get in there, convince more people to install Home, and then you've lost them. Right, you've lost them as potential sources of revenue. So I don't know. It's it's a very interesting kind of overall discussion. 
Um, any other final thoughts on, on Facebook before we close up? I just hate Facebook. <laughs> I just I just seriously hate Facebook. Like nothing will make me want to just like blow my brains out more than Facebook. Facebook scares me. Uh, like honestly, it's and scary. everything about that thing. Like I don't want my friends like you know like stupidity staring me in the face every time I turn my phone on. I'm like maybe it's great when all your friends are Facebook employees. Yes. You know, but it's not going to be great in practice when you're like you know I'm just going to like be greeted by racism and bigotry and like I already saw this on reddit or hacker news like two days ago or a week ago yes. or like your dumb e-cards that you think are funny you know like <laughs> all that stuff i'm like that's just trite and i don't want to see it ever and facebook is um so close to the noise floor it's like just barely above well i mean and the other know? thing with facebook right but it's a personalized noise well floor. the other thing with facebook is i guess i guess you get out what you put in a little bit but you know like I just don't ever go and curate my Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. That's you know? the biggest problem with this. That like just if I wanted to install this on my phone, right? Is that I have, you know, some 800 some Facebook friends, right? Of which I care about maybe 100, right? Um and then there's 700 people that, you know, I just I know or I knew or I went to elementary school with or I knew in like kindergarten some like 15 years ago. Right. You're friends. I'm doing air quotes. Yeah, right? Like, they're, Dude, they're acquaintances, whenever I, right? Like, they're not even friends. I they're open, acquaintances that are added on Facebook. Whenever I open my Facebook news feed, I always feel like I'm logged into someone else's account because I don't know who any of these people are. Like, they're right. just, they're, I, mean, I see pictures and names and I'm, I'm like, just like, who is someone, this? Right? Exactly. And then, like, sometimes well, readers will adding add us, random people? right? And, like, for some reason, there's a whole bunch of Indian readers that have added me on Facebook. And I have Dude, no yeah. idea who these people are, right? So I'll just see some Indian name. And I'm like, so some portion of the Indian subcontinent is on my Facebook, and I have no idea who these people are. Well, so I, for I, me, I acknowledge that there are people who just live on Facebook. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I never will. I don't want to. Like, I think about deleting you don't it every day. Spend enough <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. In college dorms or sororities. No, well, when I did, then I was like, oh, Facebook is really cool. No, you know, Facebook was Like, terrible. it has Facebook a place. Facebook was always annoying, but it was always necessary to keep in touch with people. Otherwise, you just never hear from See, them. See, I feel like, yeah, you, there was a time when it was like you didn't exist unless you were on there, you know? But now it's like, I don't really that care. That was before you graduated. You know? Right? Like, no, even then, like, pretty much sophomore, end of sophomore year, I was like, I don't really care about this anymore. You know, and then it's just been like since then it's been downhill on my Facebook level was of care. Cool when I was fifteen, right? I joined Facebook when I was fifteen. I think it was two thousand six, and Facebook was cool for roughly the next twelve months. Now you're sounding really hipster and, right now. Well, like it was cool. Okay, you know what? Back when none of my friends were on it. No, and, okay, can I can I just point out that when I was fifteen, Anantech was still on GeoCities. Can I? Can I just? Can I point that out? Okay. We were still we were still a decade away from Facebook being a thing. But like Facebook stopped being cool like five years ago, right? And it just became a necessary tool to stay in touch with then, anyone under. But then why 25. do you use it if it's not cool? Why use it? Because like, you I need feel to like use it. Just... Otherwise, you just don't talk to like anybody, right? Like I would. Do you want to hear my big thesis on Facebook? My big thesis about Facebook is that people that are happy are not on Facebook. People that are happy are out doing the things that make them happy. Like I'm not yeah, actively but then you searching need to, you need to take for pictures like, and post them with hashtags and <laughs> this, this is my thing. Sorry. Like if you're on Facebook, it's like you're looking for something. You don't know what it is, but you're looking for it. And I I don't want to be really explicit here, but you know, you're just like that's what that's what it is. That's you what's watch up, the social right? network. So, but right? if like the at the end of it, it's all about the girl. 
Sure, exactly. And so I'm saying, like, if you if you're busy, like, actively engaged in something, you're not going to spend your time on Facebook. That's what I'm saying. It's an end to a mean, at least in my in my mind. And then after that, like, who really cares? You know, I don't know. Maybe I'm just completely insane, but I, I just hate. No, Facebook. I hate Facebook too. I just it's still necessary for me to have because too many of my friends are too active on it. What's cool about the first is you can turn the Facebook thing oh, you off can't and turn it's a the totally Facebook stock thing phone. Okay. That's something I've, I It's a wondering. totally stock phone. Yeah. yeah, it's since the G2, it's HTC's first totally stock phone underneath. Which so like nice. I want one, but I don't want it to have the Facebook. You can just I want turn it, it off, so that I can right? turn or it off. And install the APK. Yeah. And you yeah, know, I and then that's off. a really solid mid-range phone, right? Um, because it is 8930AA even though I, we don't know what the AA uh, yeah, is. Yeah, because I've only seen AB and so I asked, and it's the same thing as 8930. Like, I don't know what the AA yeah, means. Yeah, 8930 is kind of a confused set of SKUs, I feel like. But um, No, Snapdragon 400 is like a million SKUs, yeah. <laughs> which is a big mess. Yeah. Um, and then that's it's a 5-megapixel camera with, uh, I'm what looks like the same optics as like the 1S. It's the 1V, basically. It's like the 1V camera. Okay. You know, it's the one optical system, and then it's the five megapixel sensor. CMOS, okay. yeah. I mean, so that's a that's a really solid uh, mid-range handset. Unfortunately, it's a phone for kids that live on Facebook. That's what I'm $100 saying. hundred dollars like, is still a okay. lot for a mid-range handset because you can get last year's flagships for free. I think it's gonna go to free pretty fast, Vivek. Like it's gonna it's just gonna go to free, and then it's like, mommy. <laughs> Can I have this, you know, or whatever? <laughs> like, that's what happens. Like, let's By be realistic. By the way, I'm amazed that you still have an HTC status. Why would I not have a status? I, like, I wanted somebody to go there and use it. Like, if I if I had been there, I would have shown up and been like, what Facebook phone? Like, I already I have mean, it. I mean, I think the HTC you know, first it runs Android 2.3.6. You should dual wield the, <laughs> the first and the status. And honestly, the first uh, isn't the first anything. It's actually the second Facebook phone HTC has made. Yeah, what is with HTC and these names that are like we're first and we're the one, and then like what's the next? Like the bestest. Well, I mean, so they did the whole amazing, incredible sensation thing, right? right? Like they're like they're the the people who post first in the comment section. Like that's what HTC is doing, but with the entire mobile market. And then all of their phones. Like I don't know how many more we can have. There's a finite number of words that imply like I'm first place. HTC. No, you can go go to other languages. Go back to like sensation, (laughs) amaze, incredible. You know, we are the best. You know, one is just like, oh, yeah, you, maybe number one, but they they just got to go back, you know. Dude, it's a very positive, positive thinking oriented company. Exciting, I epic. Can, I can get behind that. The greatest. They should, but they're not, they're not going to be quietly brilliant anymore. They're going to be like very loudly brilliant. Dude, supposedly. cheerful. <laughs> Cheerfully <laughs> brilliant. Cheerful optimism. Okay, that rounds it up for our long overdue uh, mobile podcast. I want to thank you all for listening. If you haven't read the HC One review, please do check that it's out. It's really um, awesome. Yeah, no, Brian, you did an excellent job on that. Thanks, uh, I want guys. to thank Brian and Vivek for joining, and uh, we will we will talk again soon.